The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, here's Dr. G. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters. I'm Cheryl G., and I'll be your host for the hour. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, cultivating a skilled and competent workforce. And with us today, we have three fabulous guests to help us have a conversation on this topic. First, I'd like to introduce Dr. Joseph Johnson. Hello. Yes, thank you so much for being on the phone with us. My pleasure. And um, in a minute, I'm going to ask you just to share a little bit about yourself, and let me just name off our other two guests that are with us today as well. We have retired Command Master Chief Veronica Tutt from the United States Navy. Thank you for joining us, Veronica. Well, thank you. Thank you. And then also on the line is retired Major General James Comstock from the United States Na- uh, Army. I'm going to put you back in the Navy again. I'm sorry about that. Army. Thank you for the opportunity. Good afternoon. Thank you. So I'm going to ask each of you just to share a little bit about yourself, starting with uh, Dr. Joseph Johnson. Could you share a little bit about your um, involvement in working with the public and nonprofit sector and just a little bit about the perspective that you bring as it relates to your career development? Okay. Well, um I am a, a professor at San Diego State University in the Department of Educational Leadership, but I also uh, direct a center here at the university called the National Center for Urban School Transformation. And we identify and study uh, many of the nation's uh, highest performing urban schools, elementary, middle, and high schools, um, that uh, are situated in low-income communities um, but uh, achieve uh, outstanding, remarkable academic results for the children they serve. And, and, and uh, so our, our focus is on identifying um, the best practices of those schools and, and districts and, um, and then helping other uh, public schools um, replicate uh, those best practices. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for being with us on the phone. I'm sure you'll bring a lot of um, wonderful perspective to our conversation. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Retired Major General James Comstock, could you say a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you, Cheryl. Um, I guess I come from a little bit different perspective. I spent um, about 36 years uh, in the active forces and also in the reserves, primarily in the reserves. I come from a business background. I've been in the financial planning industry for about 36 years. 
I currently am the CEO of a uh, an institutional investment product company. On the nonprofit side, I am involved with the Badge of Honor Memorial Foundation. We're an organization that nationwide makes sure that the benefits that are due widows and orphans of officers or any first responders uh, killed in the line of duty are, are paid to them. I also work with Employer Support of the Guard and Reserve, which is an organization that that talks with employers and helps them with uh, issues they may have with employing uh, reservists during all the mobilizations that we're going through because of the global war on terrorism. And the last uh, nonprofit is Mission Readiness, and that's primarily the organization I think I will uh, give some views from. And Mission Readiness is an organization of about uh, 200 to 210 right now retired flag and general officers who are looking at the situation that currently if you take a look at the group of people that are eligible to volunteer for the military force, the 18 to 24-year-old group, approximately 75% of that group does not qualify due to education, uh, obesity, or criminal records. And we consider that a national security challenge and issue, and we're trying to address changes that might be made to the educational system. So the problem, hopefully, for not a short period of time, but a long period of time, might correct itself. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And then also on the line, we have uh, Master Chief Veronica Tutt. Would you please um, say a little bit about yourself? All right. Well, I um, spent my formative years in the Navy um, active and reserve, mostly active. I have over 30 years in the Navy uh, on their, they call it a full-time support program, which we supported the reserves. Um, Sixteen of those years were as a logistics. I was working in logistics, and the rest in command. Uh, command master, you've taken care of some of the individuals that the general were talking about and bringing them into the Navy. Uh, currently, I am a contractor working for the Navy. But on my public service side, I am involved with uh, Northeast Florida AIDS Network. I'm on their board of directors. Um, take stock in children, which is one of the areas I think when we'll talk a little bit more about. Uh, I'm a mentor there. Um, also, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority, which is a public service sorority, and I'm very much involved with our young women. We have two programs there, Betty Shabazz Academy and GEMS. One targets our middle school kids. The other targets our high school young ladies. Um, Take Stock in Children, again, is one of those that we look at that are at risk children and put mentors, match mentors up with those young people. Um, I believe that would be it for right now. Okay. Well, great. Well, thank you again, Veronica, for being with us and wonderful always having a, a um, I should say fellow, but I don't know, that may not be the best word. So it's a wonderful having a sister sorority member on the line as well. 
Okay, we share that delta tie. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So I want to go back to uh, Joe, and Joe asked you just to kind of share some of your thoughts regarding challenges facing America and um, as it relates to today's employers and finding employees that are well-educated and prepared to support them, you know, support employers in meeting what we might think of as today's demands and um, in this more competitive and ever-growing global market. What are some of the challenges that you may be aware of that our employers are facing today? Sure. As I um, was just listening to Veronica, and she used the term at risk in describing the young people that she works with, I think that uh, it might might be um, even more appropriate um, at this day and time to talk about our nation being at risk because uh, uh, clearly we are not preparing uh, our youth in a way that is uh, going to help them uh, compete in in the job markets of the 21st century. Uh, when, when we look at various uh, national, I'm sorry, international rankings, um, particularly in terms of of math and science education, um, uh, as as a nation, we we continue to fall behind. And in those those, uh, areas where we anticipate the highest number of new jobs, uh, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, what we call the STEM um, programs, um, those, those are areas where uh, we continue to lag behind a, um, a, a host of nations, um, in, including countries that 20 years ago we talked about as third third world countries like Singapore. Uh, so um, so the result of that is that um, em- employers often feel motivated to get to find talent elsewhere, uh, and and then um, the the. The young people um, that matriculate uh, through through our through our school systems uh, are often left in a place where they are less than employable, or they are employable only in um, in very low skill uh, uh, jobs. So. So uh, this is a a tremendous challenge uh, to our economic and social well-being. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, thank you for bringing out those points, um, Jim. Is there anything you'd like to add? Well, Cheryl, I I, I must apologize. I like I said, uh, 
I run a, a small business, and we made the mistake of moving yesterday. And the phone system we put in, I, I only was able to get about every third word of the doctor's presentation. So I, I will make some observations, but I hope that because of that inability to hear exactly what he said, that I'm not stepping over or anything that he already said. So with that preamble, uh, let me just make some observations. I, I believe that Joe would probably point out that to, to compete in a global market, the quality of our workforce has to be such that the high-tech jobs and everything that we need to compete effectively are indeed given to people that are capable of executing them. And if I go back to the, the point I made about the 75% uh, that would not qualify to meet the standards for the military for volunteering, what you have to take a look at is what are the educational requirements, i.e. Uh, high school diploma, et cetera, and what are the scores or the testing scores that happen when someone applies for the military. So what you really end up with is that same 75% probably doesn't meet the requirements of our current uh, employers, especially in the high-tech business. The other part of this that you probably would find interesting, that everybody is going to compete for the same 25% that do qualify. Yes. You know what? That music is just kind of notifying me that it's time for us to transition to a break. So, um, Jim, I'm going to ask you just to put a comma there, but please don't lose your thoughts, and we'll pick back up with you when we get back with more on Leadership Matters as we talk a little bit about not only defining what the challenges are, but what might be some potential solutions. Please stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email drg at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Are you ready to grow your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show with your coach, Rick Carrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Carrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are 
listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. We're back with more on Leadership Matters, and today we're talking about cultivating and developing a competent and skilled workforce. With us today, we have three fabulous guests. Uh, Dr. Joseph Johnson is the Executive Director of the National Center for Urban School Transformation and Qualcomm Professor of Urban Education at San Diego State University. Thank you for staying with us, Joe. Sure. Also on the line, we have Major General James Comstock, who is the president of P&E Holdings Incorporated and managing director of Institutional Liability Management Partners, LLC. Thank you for being with us, Jim. Thank you. And then also on the line, we have retired Commander Master Chief Veronica Tutt from the U.S. Navy, who also serves as a Navy contractor currently. Thank you for being with us, Veronica. Thank you, and it is just command, Master Chief. I oh, love to be the commander, but <laughs> <laughs> thank you for correcting me. <laughs> Not a problem, Cheryl. I thank totally you for appreciate that. Me. Yes, thank you. And Jim, before we went to break, you were sharing a little bit about the state of America, one might say, as it relates to our um, our workforce and the readiness of our youth to serve, and and I say youth, but really young adults and and others as well. So, want to just. Um, pick back up with your voice. Well, thank you, Cheryl. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about some of these issues because I think when you take a look at what we're talking about from a national security standpoint, uh, a lot of things that people probably don't know, but our military, both active and reserve, represents less than 1% of the total population of the United States. So that 1% is doing all the things it's been asked to do it's lot. It's a lot smaller than when I went in, and I'm sure it's a lot smaller than when the Master Chief started. But the point is that the technology that we've given to the forces has, has filled the gap to still make it the most effective military force in the world. And that technology takes a certain level of education, skill, and competence. But I think there's a bright side, and I would like to mention this at this point. People that have voluntarily served in the military and and have done their their time and come out as veterans i think is one of the the really valuable resources and assets for employers in in today's marketplace if you take a look at a veteran the training experience and leadership qualities that they develop during the time that they're in the military then this is the type of person that will really uh help the workforce and help us in this global economy unfortunately right now the unemployment rate for military veterans is twice the national average. So I think I would ask employers to wake up to recognizing the the valuable assets that that veterans and reservists bring to the marketplace as far as improving the workforce. I think it's a good way to look as look at it as a return on your tax dollars. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate that perspective being brought to the table and also really appreciated your compelling article on education as a national uh, security. I thought that was a fabulous article you wrote. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, Veronica, I'm going to give you an opportunity to kind of jump into this conversation, see if there's anything you'd like to add before we kind of move to 
um, a next piece. Anything you want to add in response to Joe or Jim? Actually, I totally agree uh, with everything have, that has been said, especially the Major General. Um, our military, especially our veterans, are resources that we all should be taking advantage of. And it's unfortunate, and I even have to say even with, within the government system, too, that we don't. Now, there are some initiatives now that are just beginning to help our veterans get into, uh, i.e., the government system, make it easier. I don't know if any of you have ever applied for a government job. It is uh, a daunting experience. So, uh, you know, not to say that our veterans and all could not do that, but even for, you know, Major General, I don't know if you ever have, but the paperwork along was is just very challenging. So there have been some initiatives that I just read about that will change that um, and make it a lot simpler, uh, i.e., have your resume uh, go right into the government system rather than going through a long, complicated form that was there. So, again, hopefully people will pick up on what the general spoke about as far as getting our veterans, because they've been there, done that. And most of them are more than qualified for these positions. And it is a little shocking to note that we don't have uh, our veterans as employed as they should be. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Well, thank you for adding that, Veronica. Joe, I'm going to turn back to you and invite you to just um, maybe share some of the success stories. I think that you said in your opening that part of your um, journey in the job that you do is kind of going to schools that have been excellent um, and have done a great job of raising academic achievement and uh, want to maybe hear a little bit about those and some of, what are some of the common factors that have led to their success so that we are um, improving the um, individual skill levels that are coming out of our schools and their readiness for employment. Right. Thanks. So, um, you know, in in contrast to this general picture uh, that Jim and I talked about, um, in, in in terms of um, the the poor preparation of many of our students, at least in contrast to what's happening in many other countries around the world. Um, we find that there are schools um, that that may be in low-income um, communities that may have multiple challenges, but still are getting outstanding results. And and those schools are such important gems for us because uh, they are our proof that. We can do this. We we can turn this around. We can have um, the world's uh, best, brightest, most competitive workforce. Um, and 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 so we believe that it's critically important to look at these 
very strong, effective schools and try to get a better understanding of, of why they are as they are and, and, and how they are different from other, other schools and, uh, and, and, and what has transpired to, to, make, to make those differences come to being. And, and so as, um, as a very quick way of uh, speaking to those differences, uh, you can kind of categorize them in, in, in four buckets. The first bucket is curriculum. Uh, in, in these very successful schools, students learn more because they are taught more. Uh, teachers aren't attempting to water down uh, they're not making excuses for students. They expect that students will learn very rigorous content, and the students live up to that. Uh, and, and, and so that's the first issue. The second issue is, is uh, that in these very successful schools, we find instruction that is more likely to be designed in a way that engages students, um, makes um, it makes uh, the instruction interesting. Uh, often, instruction that makes utilization of technology. Uh, often, instruction that engages students. In talking with each other, or 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 engaging um, with with uh, with other students or other entities um, in, in 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 different places, uh, but it's not just uh, a textbook or a worksheet. In these very successful schools, they're able to get students to learn rigorous content because. Uh, they are teaching in ways that make it such that students want to learn. The third is that is that in these very successful schools, we see powerful relationships where students feel that the teachers want them to succeed, that the adults in the school care about them, they care about their lives, they care about their futures. We've had situations where we've gone into very, very low-income communities uh, where, uh, where these students are being very successful and students are saying, uh, my, yeah, I work hard, and, and, but that's because my teacher cares about me. We've had students tell us, I, I'd be embarrassed to, to come to school unprepared because I know how hard my teacher works to make me succeed. Uh, and then the final bucket, the final piece is leadership. Uh, within these schools, we see very strong leaders who have a vision of excellence, and, and they bring everybody, parents, students, teachers, uh, together in a way that is pursuing that vision. And so when you see all of this happening, uh, it's... It, there's, there's, there's no mystery why some of these schools are, are so successful. Uh, the challenge that we have is, 
in helping make sure that these are not uh, isolated exemplars, but in fact, that, that this kind of success becomes systemic. Right. Okay, great. I think the, I'm hearing the music, and I'm going to go on and um, have a pause, and uh, Joe, pick back up after the break if you'd like. No, no, I, I, was, I, I finished um, it. That was fabulous, and, and definitely don't want to lose any of that. So we're going to take a quick break and then be more, be back, I should say, with more on Leadership Matters. Thank you. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Get ready for an exciting and eye-opening hour every week on Globe Talk with Avisant. Join your host, Kevin Parikh, for an inside look at the world economy with a special focus on technology and its impact on humankind. We will invite the top industry experts to our forum and answer your questions, too. Globe Talk with Avisant airs live every Friday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email drg at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter L. Mosca provides those of you eager to invest well in real estate with the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus is to help you maximize your real estate investment dollars. Listen live to the brightest minds in investment real estate every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter L. Mosca, where America learns to invest. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. Thank you for staying with us. We're back with more on Leadership Matters. Today we're talking about cultivating a skilled and competent workforce, and we have Dr. Joseph Johnson, Executive Director of the National Center for Urban School Transformation and Qualcomm Professor of Urban Education at San Diego State University with us. Thanks again for being with us, Joe. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, and we have Major General James Comstock, current um, president of the P&E Holdings Incorporated and managing director of Institutional Liability Management Partners, LLC. Thank you for being with us, Jim. Thank you. And also with us is retired 
Command Master Chief Veronica Tutt from the United States Navy. Thank you also for being with us, Veronica. Thank you, Cheryl. Yes, and I should say that our uh, Major General James Comstock is retired from the Army. Okay. Before we went to break, um, Dr. Johnson, Joe, you were doing a fabulous job of giving us some things to consider as relates to, I think, the areas of assessment that you utilize as well as that you've seen as a um, as a thread for our um, schools that are doing and performing well. I want to emphasize those four buckets. You said curriculum. Um, if they um, that in the schools where they learn more, they learn more because they are are expected to learn more and more is taught, and the students are rising to those high expectations. Yeah. You talked about the quality of instruction and engagement that happens in these schools of excellence and also the powerful relationships that the students have with the faculty members and that the students really feel like they're cared about. And then the fourth bucket that you talked about was leadership and that the leaders in these institutions where the students are excelling have this vision of excellence. Anything else you'd like to add? Um, no, I, I I think that that is a is a nice general uh, synopsis. Of course, there's a lot more detail within each of those, but um, but I think that that should suffice uh, given the length of our of our program today. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Jim and Veronica. Anything you'd like to add in response to what Joe just brought up? I'd like well, to I think- add. I totally agree. Uh, as a mentor, in the take stock in children. You see it every day. If someone cares, and that's what I believe is one of the major problems as far as our students, they don't feel people care anymore. And you have a mentor come in and show that they care and give them that support, the guidance, and build that relationship. Relationship is the key there, I believe, that Joe talked about. Um, That brings so much more to our children. It doesn't matter if they're in a, and, and here in Florida we have A schools and through F schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are children that graduate from those F schools that go on to some of our, to Harvard, et cetera, et cetera, all because someone cared and took them under that wing mm-hmm. and, you know, brought them to a um, place of excellence. Mm-hmm. Again, that caring relationship. And I, I believe that may be part of some of the issues that we have, that our kids, some of them feel that, they, you know, there's no one cares. Right. Now, classrooms being as crowded as they are, sometimes the teacher cannot give as much to those students like when I was coming up. There, our class sizes were nowhere near the class sizes that some of the kids here have to struggle with. Uh, you had, and sometimes you had more attention than you needed, but uh, the attention that the teachers can give to the children is only so much. We need more adult mentors in our schools, mm-hmm. I believe. Okay, and and I'm hearing that, and I want to respond to both of that, uh, both of what Joe brought up with regards to engaging instruction and powerful relationships of the actual uh, staff at the school. I think the mentors can supplement 
but indeed, I think it's a it's a charge that um, the teaching staff and administrators have to take on with regards to how do they design programs within their schooling where they are engaging and where there are powerful relationships that really motivate students to want to learn. Jim, let me let you jump in as well. Jim, are you on the line with us still? Yeah, I'm sorry, Cheryl. Oh, yeah, no worries. You know, I, I think that Joe brings up, a, I guess, a, a point that, that frustrates me a little bit because I you know, I, I I live in the in the economic environment of today, and I'm a product of a of a of a fortunately an excellent school system. And I think one of the things that we discount is we really don't challenge students by setting standards. I I think that if the, if you have a a covenant or a contract between the teacher and the student that this is the level of the standard to which uh, I expect you to perform. I think we'd be amazed at the increase in performance, and that uh, if if we approached it from that standpoint, and, and Veronica certainly knows it's part of the military ethos that that when we train people, we we say this is what we expect of you. We're going to train you. We're going to support you. But we expect this of you, and it works very very well. I think over the years. The baby boomers and I throw myself in that category. I've tended to try to make it a little bit too easy, and not bought into supporting the right level of standards in the education system, and then supporting the teachers uh, to have the students reach that standard. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of like everybody's reaction to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think my reaction to that, uh, Jim, is um, I think I, I love um, Joe's kind of like four bucket approach because I think that curriculum is real important. And I think the quality of instruction is real important, and including in that, you know, the setting of those standards. And I also think it's 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 critical that the other pieces be there with regards to the direction and support for that child to um, to achieve. Because if we set high standards, but then that we don't provide the direction and the engagement and the supportive environment for them to learn, we still may not get there. But I think if we address all four of those things. It feels to me, and, I, and I'm, my observations have been that it gets us closer to that bar of excellence. Joe, you want to jump back in, and because we are sure kind of talking I, about what you I, started. I I think that um, you know there's definitely a part of what Jim is saying that's right on target. In very high performing schools, we see them establishing very high expectations for their students. They're very clear about the standards that they want students to attain. And because of that clarity, it just it, 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 it increases the likelihood that students will attain them. In fact, they're so clear that not only do the teachers know what they're teaching and what they're trying to get children to learn, but the students know. They can tell you, this is what I need to learn but also the parents know. And so when everybody's on board, when everybody's clear about what the goal is, then you automatically increase the likelihood that people are going to get there. Now, there is the other part, Cheryl, that you just alluded to, uh, and, uh, and I suppose my, my best way of, uh, of, of speaking to that is by sharing the story 
of uh, a visit to a very low-performing school where I had a teacher tell me, oh, well, I have very high expectations. In fact, my expectations are so high that last semester, half of my students failed my course. Mm. Well, that's not what we're talking about in terms of high expectations because in these very successful schools, it's not simply that the educators have high expectations for their students. They also have high expectations for themselves. They expect themselves to develop a caliber of instruction, a quality of engagement that's going to get students to master that challenging content. They expect themselves to to get to know their students, what they're thinking, where they are, uh, you know, what what misconceptions they might have, so that they can support that student uh, in 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 moving to higher levels. So so absolutely, there is this important element of expectations, uh, but it's so important to not be simplistic in, uh, in, in thinking about that because you do have to address those other three buckets. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you. Thank you all. That's a great conversation. I want to have us also think about those who are in the workforce currently. Um, what are your suggestions? What are your thoughts with regards to what employers can do to ensure that that they are developing amongst themselves in the midst of those various occupations, competent and skilled, uh, a competent and skilled workforce. So how do they continue to have growth in competencies and performance in their um, in current occupations? Any thoughts from anyone? Well, Cheryl, I, I guess I would have to put a, a, a pitch in for the uh, – Employee, the employers to look at, at hiring and maintaining uh, reservists in their workforce. Uh, we feel that reservists, even though they are subject to being mobilized and uh, sent to do what the nation calls them to do, they still make uh, tremendous employees and they, they show up every day. They know how to take orders. They know how to give orders. They're in great physical condition. And quite frankly, uh, we make sure that they're not on drugs. Now, that may sound simplistic, but if you ask an employer, what are you looking for in a good employee, those are probably three or four of the things that they're looking for. So I think in the in the workforce, that employers need to understand that, that even though they may re- lose reservists because of their, their commitment to the country, that, that they do provide them a great resource and, a, and an excellent way to use the, the skills that they bring back to the to the job once they return. Okay, wonderful. Thank you, Jim. And um, Joe and Veronica, I'll give you an opportunity to add your thoughts to that when we come back from a short break. Please stay tuned for more on Leadership Matters. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. 
Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. When you are trying to establish your financial plan, there are all sorts of variables that you'll need to take into consideration, from the ever-changing economy and markets to investment risk and your own financial needs. How do you manage all of it to find a plan that will work for you? Tune in to The Insightful Investor with Bob Pugh. We'll help you iron it all out to help you stick to a financial plan with the knowledge that you need. The Insightful Investor is broadcast live Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email drg at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters. We've talked quite a bit about cultivating um, individuals to be that are prepared to be hired and come in the door with some basic competencies and uh, things to offer the workforce. And Jim started that dialogue with regards to what we can do and maybe even a pool we can pull from to have competent um, and skilled employees. I'm going to ask you now to also just think about for those who have employees currently in the workforce, what can they do to further develop employees to make sure that they aren't being, uh, one might say, left behind and skill set and continue to stay up to par or better and move toward excellence in their various occupations? Any thoughts there? Uh, Veronica, Joe, Jim, anyone wants to jump in there? All right. Um, I believe it was mentioned mentoring Mm-hmm. Coaching, developing, continuing education. Uh, the same things that we expect, you know, for our students and schools, we expect from the workforce and they continue to do just that. Someone coming into the workforce, the first thing I would tell them, find a mentor. Find that person that, you know, you look up to. Go to them and ask them to be your mentor. A lot of people are afraid to do that. Uh, having an environment at that workplace that um, 
continues to offer training. I mean, again, mm-hmm. training and updates, continuing education is a key because people get stagnant. Mm-hmm. People, um, okay, I know my job and that's it, don't want to do anything else. But guess what? With the technology that we've talked about before, things do change. Mm-hmm. So we have to continue training our workforce, and that is key. But finding that mentor and coaching and developing those employees will help our workplace uh, environment. Okay, great. Veronica. Joe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, many years ago, um, one of my mentors told me that it was much more important to be ambitious within a job than it was to be ambitious for a job. Exactly. And and so I say that just to kind of reinforce what Veronica was just saying. And, and, and it's so consistent with what we see in these very successful schools. Uh, the best ones are constantly trying to improve. They, they're constantly trying to get better. Uh, they're constantly looking at their own practice, measuring uh, what they're doing, looking at the effectiveness. Uh, they, are, they are open uh, in sharing with each other. Uh, in these very successful schools, you see teachers going into each other's classrooms, observing each other, giving each other feedback. Why? Because they want to get better at what they do. They want to get better results. And so it certainly has had power in creating these very successful schools. But I would argue that in any successful enterprise, you see that same passion for ongoing improvement. Okay. Very good. And, and Joe, any um, very specific things that I'm, I'm hearing the self-assessment piece and I heard the peer sharing of best practices, anything else that employers might do to cultivate skill development? Well, I, I think that in the private sector today, because of the global economy and the, the competition that the United States faces, that successful companies cannot not train their workforce constantly. If it's improvement in communications, improvements in technology, I think it's the responsibility of the employer, of the leadership within that company, to recognize the fact that learning is a lifelong journey. And that if that company is going to survive, to put it in economic terms, they cannot become stagnant. They have to continue to offer to their workforce the ability to improve themselves. And as Joe said, I think someone will will find meaningful uh, appreciation in their job if they're given the opportunity to become more skilled, to learn more about what they're doing, because then they're going to become more productive, and that's going to infl- influence the bottom line. I know I sound like a capitalist, but that's what I do every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Jim. That's great input. Um, I'm going to ask um, each of you if there's a final thought, uh, lessons learned, uh, tip, that you'd like to share with our leaders that are listening as relates to uh, thoughts on cultivating a skilled and competent workforce. Any final thoughts? And why don't we start with you, Joe? Well, um, 
certainly in in the education arena, uh, and I'm sure in, 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 in most other fields of endeavor, um, there are um, examples of excellence out there. And, and I think that it's so important to look to those examples of excellence and, and to learn from them. And I think that that's essential for our nation as we strive um, to regain uh, our status as, uh, as, a, uh, as a world leader. Okay. Great. Thank you. Jim, how about a final thought from you? Well, first of all, thank you for the opportunity to share my thoughts on the air. Uh, my wife will be shocked. I, but I think one of the things that, that, that's really important is I would, I would challenge the leaders that are listening to your program to take a look at themselves and say, am I really providing the tools and resources for the people I'm responsible for, for them to improve. And if I'm doing that, am I using the, the results of that to make my business better, my educational system better, my nonprofit organization better? Many times leaders get lazy. And when they do, they stop offering the tools, they lose the passion, they lose the vision. So it's something they have to review every day to make sure that they are leading the way. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And then, Veronica, final thought from yourself. I totally agree with all of the above. Again, best practices. Uh, That's just that word, best practices. Mm -hmm. Who's doing what out there? Mm -hmm. Look to see what they're doing. Find that example. Um, Challenge folks. And I totally agree with uh, Major General regarding standards. We do have to set the standards and set them high, but not too high that, you know, people can't reach them. Set some standards for both our teachers, our employers, uh, and our children, and also the parents. Mm -hmm. And I know we did not get to talking about, you know, because it starts with our future. Our future are those kids. our teachers, we need to take care of our teachers. I have to say that before we end. Uh, they are not nearly paid as much. I'm in the school once a week, and I see it, it, you know, the things that they have to encounter. Again, we do need to start there. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Veronica, too. And thank you to uh, each of our guests. Um, for being with us today, and I'm going to um, acknowledge and disclose that Dr. Joseph Johnson is the son of uh, Joseph Johnson Sr., who's been on our show before, and both are my dad and my brother, so love to have my um, family engage in this conversation with me, so thank you, uh, Joseph, for being on the phone. Thanks for inviting me, Cheryl. (laughs) And uh, want to also offer my uh, thanks again to Major General James Comstock for being with us, and loved your article, Keep Writing. Thank you. Yes, and um, Veronica Tuck, our retired command master chief, uh, thank you, too, for being with us today. You are welcome. And to all of our listeners, I say thank you so much for joining us, and please join us next week on Wednesday at 2 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time for more on how you, too, can make your leadership matter. 
Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. G is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter. Leadership Matters.